0: This episode of the DLU Podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Supergreen Gummies. The Supergreen Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan friendly, gluten free, and gelatin free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to goalie.com, use promo code DLEW. That's goalie.com, use promo code DLEW. This podcast is a Luciette production.
1: Shake and
0: enemy almost nine long years to quote the great Michael Jordan back in March, nineteen ninety five. I'm back. Welcome to the relaunch episode of the DLU Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett T. Lewis, and I have to tell you, it feels so good to be back in the podcast space after such a lengthy hiatus, which I did not intend to take. Um, just things that got in the way, things took priority, such as my acting career, that led to music, that led to pro wrestling, which ultimately led me back to podcasting. So I wanna thank everybody that uh, that that reached out to me regarding the relaunch of the show, you know, giving me their well wishes, and I appreciate it more than you know. Well, this week, I have Chrissy Monroe that's going to be the very first guest on a relaunch episode of the Delu Podcast. She's a reality show star, entrepreneur, philanthropist, everything under the sun. She, she does everything, a little bit of everything, and we had an amazing conversation about her life, her career, You know, talking about moving from Baltimore to New York City and how that transition was, how she got on Love and Hip Hop Season 5, y'all. This is crazy. It's a crazy story how she all broke it down. Her charity work that she does for domestic violence, which I really, really want you all to listen to, a lot of stories that she told that even shocked me. And I was just like, wow. But she kept it all the way real. And she is a real, she's a real person. And Again, one of my absolute favorite people in this business that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, and you're going to really enjoy this episode. And let's not wait any longer. My interview with Chrissy Monroe starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a privilege to have this individual on the DLU podcast. She's an entrepreneur, model, philanthropist, reality show star, and everything under the sun. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... The one and only Chrissy Monroe to the Dilute Podcast. How are you, Chrissy?
1: I'm great, great. Thank you for asking.
0: Appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to come on and talk to us on the show. So right off the bat, I wanted to talk about you know the last two years for you, and obviously we were hit with the uh, global pandemic, and obviously you being an entrepreneur, being self employed, just basically I, it it affected a lot of people. So I just wanted to ask, what has the what were the ups and downs for you with the with the global pandemic?
1: well honestly i i actually enjoyed it um i welcomed it because for the first time in my entire life um i had a break from working and hustling so hard i've been working pretty much since i've been 12 years old non c- wow. nonstop, continuously um and i had my own plastic surgery business on madison and 59th so mm-hmm. that shut that shut down abruptly due to the pandemic um and then I, I was relieved. Like I said, I, I I was it was a break for me. I was like, whew, I get to stay home and just chill. <laughs> right. Um, and then I enjoyed, you know, a few months, my summer, you know, here and there. Like, you know, there'd be some, some little private uh, parties, you know, and things like that. Of course, the clubs were closed. But it was great having that downtime. Um, but then that September, I got a blood clot in my liver. Um, and I was hospitalized um, and almost died. I was in the hospital for a month. That yeah. September, I got out in October. Um, come to find out, they found a blood clot in my portal vein, which is the vein that goes through your liver, and it was blocking the oxygen to my organs in my body. Um, I was in the hospital for a month. I lost thirty pounds. I had five surgeries in five days. I was in a coma. The priest came. I mean, it was a lot, um, and that was during the pandemic. So what made it suck was I couldn't even have anyone. They weren't allowed to bring me anything. Um, my visitations were very limited, um, because of the COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a few visitors, not as many, you know, a lot of people, see me, but they had to go through down at the downstairs at the hospital. No one was allowed to bring me outside food or drinks, which was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was just happy to be alive. And, you know, it was a big wake up call for me. Um, and it happened during the pandemic. So I knew once that things cleared up, I made up my mind in the hospital that I was never going to go back to the medical industry, um, which was the surgery field that I just, you know, abruptly left. Right. Um, I, I decided on a lot of things when I was laying in that hospital bed. Um, it, it was life changing. So I don't think that was due to the pandemic, but it happened during the pandemic, of course. Um, right. It was not COVID related, it was actually due to drinking a liquid collagen supplement that I had no idea was, you know, a, a blood thickener and my body wasn't breaking it down. So um, the pandemic to, to answer your question was very life-changing for me in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. I can remember Good when, ways. for sure, for sure. And I remember when all of that went down with, you know, when you're in a hospital and I was, I was, I was legitimately worried. I had, I had checked in with Dawn actually. And I was like, DM her. Hey, is she okay? Is she okay? Is she okay? You know, and once you were, um, I knew you were okay when you had posted a video and you, you were thanking God, you were able to eat a crab leg for the first time in over a month. So I was like, okay, oh Chrissy's good. Yes. <laughs> Chrissy's <Yes>. good.
1: <laughs> a crab leg. You know, I'm good. If it's about a
0: crab Absolutely. leg,
1: I'm good. Yes. yes, indeed. Yes,
0: indeed. <laughs> so you're from Baltimore and um, tell us a little bit about what life was like for Chrissy growing up in Baltimore.
1: Ooh. <laughs> Have you ever watched The Wire? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's very true to life, very real. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in Baltimore City, inner city Baltimore, East Baltimore to be exact. And mm-hmm. um, it was not pretty. It was very uh, gritty, very rough. Um, a lot of lot of drugs, a lot of drug dealing, a lot of crime. Um, the fast life, and that's what I grew up with. Um, I, I started working in the strip clubs at age, I think, 16. Oh, um, wow. just. Fast money, fast life. Um, that's all I knew, though. You know, I had a very dysfunctional family. So um, everything was just about getting a dollar. I mean, it was no other, nothing else to really think about. Like, it wasn't really like the normal upbringing. I'm, I'm a high school dropout. Mm-hmm. Um, come from a very dysfunctional, drug-addicted, alcoholism family, alcoholic family. Um, so, you know, I was the youngest. So I learned a lot from other people in my family's mistakes, what I didn't want to be like. So, um, you know, but I was just always a hustler and, and worker and, um, just stay focused. I had a vintage clothing store for three years. Um, I started dating a guy from New York when I was 17 till I was 27. He was a drug dealer from New York. He had gotten murdered when I was 27. Um, and that was another turning point in my life where I said, if I don't leave Baltimore now before I'm 30, I made the plan to, move, to leave before I was 30 because I knew I wanted to act and model um, and not be in Baltimore anymore. They call it Smaltimore. It's the 11th largest city in the, the, the United States, but everyone knows everybody. Um, it's kind of that limited mentality. And I, you know, I started acting and modeling when I was 12 and I did a lot of things um, and, and was an extra on anything and everything that came through Baltimore. I was um, on a Baltimore City soap opera that aired on Baltimore City Cable. But it was just only so far I was really going to go in Baltimore, to be realistic. I knew I had to be where the work was, which was only a three-hour drive away in New York. And I had gotten familiar with dating this guy that that was murdered, um, him from being in New York. We would come and spend money on the weekends and go to all the hot clubs. And I would see all the celebrities and models. And I would be like, wow, it was a whole other universe for me um, that I was accustomed to being in the streets that I wanted to just elevate myself. I said, I'm going to New York. Like, I don't even care. Like I got rid of my vintage clothing store. I Mm -hmm. sold my house. I had a pretty nice life in Baltimore and actually very nice life. I didn't have any reason to leave, but I really didn't have a reason to stay. I knew I wasn't fulfilled and I knew I had bigger plans for myself, which was to get into the entertainment industry. And um, I did exactly that. I left when I was 29. Um, I knew two people when I moved here that was my ex that got murdered's cousins. And I started over. I started dancing at Suze Rondi doing Mount Vernon, made a lot of contacts in the entertainment industry and the rest is kind of history. It just, it's been great ever since.
0: Wow. <laughs> and and I was gonna, and I was gonna ask you what moved you, what, you know, forced you to move to New York city. I was gonna be my next question, but also underneath that being in, you know, in my opinion, the, the largest city in the world, in my opinion, how were you able to adjust you know living in balt you know growing living in baltimore like your whole entire life and uprooting and moving to a large city like new york how are you able to navigate and adjust to that
1: well baltimore is a city i mean it it, it it's not like i said it's the 11th largest city it's not exactly small you know what i'm saying but it is right. a city actually baltimore to me in my opinion is way worse than new york just it's 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 a city like it's bad like it, it's but just more um impoverished and it's a whole nother level of poverty and crime and mentality um that i i felt like new york was like moving to like beverly hills like even the rough parts to me was nothing coming from from so wow. it wasn't even an adjustment it was a step up for me like i was like this is nothing like this these people are kind of soft and from where i'm <laughs> from like like they like really the bums even are fly like you know what i'm saying the the homeless people (laughs) even got on nice nice some of them got on designer like it's not like that in baltimore like (laughs) you know they'll rob you for five dollars they'll kill you for five dollars like so to me i felt more at ease here like i felt like it was just classy like it was just a different vibe and then i like going down to the village i loved shopping in soho i loved the nightlife like New York was a different place when I moved here 20, like 22 years ago. Like it's not like it is now it's whack now in my opinion. Uh, But it was a whole vibe. Like it was just lit every night you wanted to be out and you would see real stars and a list people. There was a real VIP. You'd be at the China club and see a list people. And you'd see Eddie Murphy at the club and, you know, amazing things. Not like now where all you have to do is buy a bottle to get into the VIP. You had (laughs) to actually be a, a VIP. You know what I'm saying? So, it was lit and it's just everything was just so dope. There were brunches and just all kind of just great restaurants that were trendy and everybody would be at and you know, the nightclubs were popping, BMF would come through and you just just the whole spectacle of everything was just amazing. It was just you just didn't want to miss out. You never wanted to miss a night. So For sure. There was no adjustment. Yeah, but you know, the adjustment was I was already coming up on the weekends all the time. So it wasn't really a big adjustment. It was just um, a step up and I was, I was here for it. I was just loving every second.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now on that note, you know, you were on season five of love and hip hop and um, Mm -hmm. that was, you know, very popular reality show. So how, what went into you being casted for that show for that season?
1: Um, just me watching the show and I'm like, wow, this is really my life. Like, before TV, I was already known, I guess you would say infamous, like people knew me, they knew of me. I knew all the celebrities, I knew all the ball players. like, you know, I was in the nightlife. So right. um, I was like, this is really my life. Like, I don't rap, I don't sing, but I know everybody in the industry. I got all the jewelry. I'm already fly. Like, you know, it's my life. This is my real life. Like, I need to get on that show. So um, one of my very close friends is married to a big A-list celebrity. Um, we're still friends to this day. Um, I said, girl, I need to get on that show. Do you know anybody that's on that show or can get me? And she said, I do. She she had a friend that knew somebody um, on the Atlanta cast for the first season, and mm-hmm. they made a call the girl. She put me in touch with the girl. I sent the girl a few pictures. I didn't have any really great pictures at the time. Um, and a little biography of some of the work that I've done, and I had an uh, interview in Mona's office two days later, and the rest is history. They love me. I mean, I just went it, and I knew that was my chance. Like the Eminem song, "You only get one one shot, one shot, exactly." That was that was my one shot. And I, was, I, mean, I brought the dog with that collar, the long twenty-two inch toenail, and just the whole. You know, outfit and the whole look and the whole personality, and that the rest is history. You know,
0: so. and, and as an actor myself, I can tell you, I've been in those situations before, where it's like one contact. You know what I mean? Can change your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Somebody you know, someone you're one contact away from 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 realizing your dream. So, like the old saying goes, always treat people with respect because you never know who you may run into in ten years. That's definitely for sure. Absolutely.
1: Now. That's right.
0: Now, let's take take another deep dive for just a second. Now, I'm you know, again, we follow each other on social media and again, I thank you very much for coming on to the show today. You were taking care of your dad, you know, during you know, but you know obviously for maybe about like a year or so, you know, before he ultimately had passed away. What was it what did it mean to you being there for him after all of the things you had gone through in your childhood?
1: Um it meant that I knew I was right with God and I knew I was right and doing the right thing as a human being, because like I said, my, well, I didn't say, but my father kicked me out when I was young. Um, Mm -hmm. I remarried when I was 16 and his wife and I used to fist fight all her kids. She had six kids. They were all grown. And she really just didn't want me around. Like she just wanted to to be him and her. And she was a very uneducated woman, uh, very low class woman. I'm being nice. (laughs) I'm putting it nicely. (laughs) and uh we used to fist fight and my father basically kicked me out and chose her over me and i was hurt imagine you're still a kid you're a teenager and your father gets married to the evil stepmother and they don't want you there and you really get kicked out and you have nowhere to go that's how i ended up homeless as a teenager and working in the strip clubs at an early age um as a way to support myself i was in straight survival mode but you know i know my father was a good man. My father never put his hands on us. He never touched me. He never Mm -hmm. did anything. Um, just, you know, after I grew to get older, I grew to appreciate my stepmother. The fact that she was taking care of my father in his older age, my father was a good man and I know my father loved me very much. Um, yeah, I had a resentment for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got over that and it helped actually mold me into being the independent person that I, I grew up to be. And, I put all that, I just put all that aside when his wife died um, of liver cancer. And I know, you know, my father's legally blind. Here he is. He was 80, 82 years old um, in a diaper, in the diapers, pretty much can't walk, needed a wheelchair with dementia, beginning stages of dementia. Who was going to get him? Nobody. Um, There was nobody to take care of him. His wife died abruptly. She hid the cancer from everyone she died suddenly and there was no one for him. So I went down, literally put him in my car and brought him to New York. And he didn't know, I told him we were going to the store and that was it. The house was filthy. There were bed bugs, roaches. Uh, You know, it was very just, we didn't know how bad the situation was because they hid it and didn't want anyone in their business. You know, a lot of older people are like that. They're old school, you know, they don't want nobody in their house. They don't want anybody in the business. So, and I'm in New York, I'm three hours away. So, you know, I didn't know how bad it had gotten until my brother told me what was going on over there. So I said, no, I'm taking dad with me. So I put him up here uh, a mile away from me in a nursing home. Um, because I'm by myself, I don't have anyone here during the day to watch him. I was running the surgery business. I still got bills to pay and I can't leave my father in my house to burn it down. He loves smoking cigarettes. Um, so the best thing for me was to put him in a a, a nursing home an hour I'm not an hour a mile away so they could give him his medications they could give him his special soft diet um change his diaper you know I don't want to change my father's diaper I'm I'm, I want him to still have his pride as a man and you know not to be humiliated so you know um I let them basically do all the heavy lifting and it worked out I got to spend a year with my father getting to know him all over again and hearing stories that I never knew Um, but then again, it was also painful for me to watch him cry for his wife. Mm. He didn't remember going to her funeral. I kept having to tell him, you know, she went to Atlantic city or she, you know, at the casino, she went to the flea market just to keep him calm. So he wouldn't panic. Um, I didn't know there's no manual telling you how to deal with people with Alzheimer's or dementia. This was all new for me, but it wasn't as bad as, you know, I thought it was going to be like, it was, it was sad knowing, you know he was deteriorating, but he knew who I was. That was the good thing. Like, and honestly, um, uh, when he died, I I can't even be mad because I got to be with him. Um, he died of pneumonia related complications. I think it was COVID honestly, but, um, thank God it happened when it did because it was a week before they shut down the nursing homes and they shut down the hospital. So if it would have happened a week later, This is how I know I'm so blessed. It's just everything has always been in my favor. Um, I got to hold his hand. I got to sign the papers. I got to make sure they gave him the morphine and he passed comfortably. They gave us a private room. It was just me and him. I got to hold him. Um, But if it would have been a week later, he would have been alone. He would have died alone. He would have been confused. And I don't think I'd ever honestly be able to live with myself. That would have been the case. But that wasn't the case. Thank God um so I got to be with him and I'm at peace with it that I stepped up no matter what happened in the past I I didn't let the past make me bitter and and turn my back on him as an old man who needed me who had no one I I know I did the right thing and and I hope anybody listening would do the same for a parent I don't expect if you were molested or anything like that to you know you don't know anyone's situations but If your parents were a good person, it was just some teenage BS or whatever. Get over it. Be there for your parents. Because people need people. So I'm at peace with it. Like, I know I did everything I could to make him comfortable in his last year, make him happy. And, you know, like I said, I'm at peace with it. So um, it was a great experience for me, honestly. I got that. That was a blessing. A lot of people never get to really have their parents back in their life, life again or catch up and You know, I got to see him at a different point of my life as a mature adult, not the rebellious teenager that I was. So it was it was actually uh, it was a positive thing. It was a positive thing.
0: And I can I I remember seeing you post a lot when you would go visit him. You know, you would post videos every day of you know him playing with the with the cat and stuff like that. And I just thought that was such a good gesture, just to show the people, hey, listen, this is and you're ever like you're authentic. And ever since I've met you, you've always been authentic of who you are and unapologetic of who you are and you show all access of your life and just being able to show, you know, what you were doing with him, you know, at the nursing home, like every time you were there, I I was just like, wow. And I would just watch your video. It's like, that's, that's incredible. And I hope that it shows people, you know, what, you know, what they should do, you know, when when it's an ailing parent, whatever the case may be and making sure that they're taking care of them. Now let's talk about another, um, an organization that you actually run is called survive to thrive global. Um, I know you've been, mm-hmm. you're really, really passionate about it. I actually follow the page. It's a domestic violence, um, type of organization. If you can just shed light a little bit on what that, what do you do and all the aspects that goes into it?
1: Okay. So when I left love and hip hop, um, I got involved with a younger guy and make a long story short. He almost beat me to death. Um, it's, it's a long story. Yeah. Um, but it, it was on more than one occasion, but I'm lucky to be alive. Um, They only gave him three months in jail for it. And they ran it concurrent. He was already in there on a robbery charge. They ran it concurrent with the time he was in there on another charge. So basically he didn't get one second of time for what he did to me. Just on paper, a domestic violence charge. But this man had felonies for guns and drugs and other things. So he really, it was a joke to him. It was a slap on the wrist. And I was like, wow, it took so much courage for me to even press charges to come out with this and and this is all they did they did nothing Wow. and i'm imagining like i'm on tv and you know this is bad publicity for them and they they obviously don't care imagine regular people that aren't on tv that don't even have that as leverage to get help and to try to get you know some kind of justice for themselves i need to speak up i was like if i don't speak up who's going to speak up like Who's going to do something about this? Like, this is crazy. Like this, this happened to me and they did nothing about it. It took them, it took me bringing a lawyer with me to basically the DA's office to get them to even follow through um, because they didn't want to do the paperwork. They really don't care about domestic violence. They don't care. So um, I said, you know what? I have a platform from Love and Hip Hop. I've been blessed let me use my platform to get this out here because there's so many people going through this and it's the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Like I almost lost everything. This man hated me. He was jealous of me. He wanted my life. Just disgusting. He told me he hates females, just a just complete psychopath. So um I started survive to thrive global with the intention of just, just having the platform and, not wanting anyone to go through what I went through. Just that simple. <clears throat> um, sorry, hold on. Let me drink my water. That's fine. <laughs> um, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to start it. I didn't have these big plans for a big nonprofit. None of that. I just, you know what? I'm like, I just need to let people know what happened to me, that they're not alone, that this can happen to anyone. And I want to learn more about it, and I want to educate people and empower other people to get out before it gets to the point where it did with, with what happened to me. Because it was a gradual pro- progression of emotional, then verbal, then physical. It wasn't just overnight. You know what I'm saying? So it, it builds and, up
0: and builds up and builds up.
1: Yeah, I didn't know I was being emotionally abused in the beginning, in the mind games, and the trickery, and the narcissistic tactics, and the out and, you know, gaslighting and making you question yourself. I didn't know what a narcissist was. I didn't know any of that stuff. So um, Survive to Thrive Global, um, I started in 2016 with the intentions of just mainly educating and bringing awareness to domestic violence um, and, and saving lives because just, just the fact of, of teaching people the signs and the warnings and that you're not crazy, it's not your fault has encouraged a lot of people to get out before it has even got to be physical. And that's right there. Just alone is life changing and life savings because it, you know, if you can get out before he may, it takes one punch one time to hit you the wrong way to kill you. You know, it doesn't have to come to that. If you can see those warning signs ahead of time, but I didn't know. I mean, I, I pretty much figured it out when he started spitting in my face and calling me all kind of filthy names. But then again, this guy was already paroled to my house and I couldn't get him out. He basically had nowhere to go. And it was a nightmare. I, I started leaving my own home because I didn't want to be here because he was here. So it was a whole big, horrible mess. So, um, we, we help women, men as well. Um, who are getting out of their situation. I can't go to someone's house and say, girl, wake up. You need to leave him. Let me come pick you up. No, it doesn't work like that. People have to be ready and they have to want to leave. You can't tell anybody to leave. You can't force them to leave. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to be an example and to be an inspiration of, you know what? I went through it. You saw the pictures. I posted them. It's real. Um, And I got out, and I'm doing better than ever. I'm thriving. Not only am I a survivor, I'm a thriver. My life is better now because now I know the mistakes I've made in dating. That wasn't my first abusive relationship. Was it um, my first physically abusive relationship like that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've had shoving matches with guys and stuff like that, not to minimize it. But, yeah, by far, it was the most horrible – I mean, I almost – I got a chipped tooth, permanent hearing damage in my left ear, my left jaw dislocated, a cracked rib. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. pretty bad. So, yeah, I've had relationships, verbal abusive relationships in my past, Um, a lot of things, Um, financial control. I've had guys financially control me, and I thought that was all okay. I didn't know all the things that I know now, which is what I share with people um, that it doesn't have to get to almost getting your life ended and getting your jaw lo- dislocated like I did going to the hospital and the crack rib and the black eyes and all that stuff. So, um, And just having a safe place, just, just even having social media for domestic violence is such a blessing because it gives people from all over the world a chance to communicate and network and share similar experiences um, in a non-judgmental zone. Um, I'm about to start my meetings again. The meetings are extremely helpful. Um, in, in the city, I was having them before COVID. Just a place for us to come and talk is so effective because so many of us have not had a voice for so long and we've been silenced by our abusers and by our so-called friends and family. We've been isolated. Um, we just need somebody to listen to us, to tell us we believe you, we, we love you. I'm sorry you went through that. I'm sorry that happened to you. Because a lot of us have never had that. We've been just, girl. Why didn't you leave sooner? You sh- you're stupid. You shouldn't shouldn't be with him. You're dumb. I would have left. I would have thrown this hot grease on him. Nobody's. Won-. We've all heard that as, you know, victims of domestic violence. So just having a safe place to talk and to be listened to is just beyond effective. Um, so yeah, that's what Survive the Thrive Global does. You know, I kind of at one time was gung ho about trying to get laws changed and all that. And honestly. It's not even being pessimistic, but these lawmakers and these these politicians do not care about domestic violence. And I find just more of helping people. um, On a more one on one level, providing them with groceries, um, school uniforms for their kids. You know, people that are trying to get back on their feet and rebuild their lives for me has been more effective than me trying to go um beat down these politicians doors and they just shake their head they yes you to death and then they just go right back to what they were doing at their desk they they just smile on your face they say they're going to do this do that they don't do anything um unfortunately yeah ideally i would love to see the laws change and um They give stricter sentences to these, these murderers and abusers. They're just not doing it. And I just, I honestly have gotten to feel helpless um, about changing things on a larger scale. I'd love to be more optimistic and say that things are changing. They're not. And I'm not going to stop fighting for that, but I found that I could allocate my energy and my resources and time more to helping people one-on-one um, or, you know, having my groups and, and helping a group of people or having the social media pages where more people are getting the information than me trying to beat down on these politicians who are just yesing you to death just to get... They, they come around at election time and act like they care. Oh, yeah, and most they don't definitely. Even, yeah, they don't even even answer their DMs or anything any other time. So I'm past that. I'm, I'm off the whole politician thing and it's just... It's all fake to me, so... Um, So yeah, that's my foundation. Um, That's my lifelong uh, thing. I don't get government grants. Um, I don't have a grant writer. I rely solely on private donations. I've had two fundraisers, they were sold out great. A lot of support from um, the celebrity community and things like that, for the most part. Um, So yeah, it's just something that I decided to to do and put my heart into because it's just something I feel like God, it happened to me, it was horrible. But I'm one to always make something good out of anything, anything that's been bad. If I guess you could say that, so um, I turn that that negative into a positive that's by a, helping other people.
0: Exactly. And at the end of the interview, we can give when you give out your regular social media, we'll tell we'll tell everybody where they can go as far as finding where they can go follow thrive the Thrive Global on social media and website and things of that nature. This episode of the Delu Podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Supergreen Gummies. The Supergreen Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners. Flavors or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan friendly, gluten free, and gelatin free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to goalie.com, use promo code DLEW. That's goalie.com, use promo code DLEW. But I want to turn my direction to your brand, Serving Looks. (laughs) <laughs> the origin, the development, the name, the products, where to get it, et cetera, all the above. How did all of this come to be?
1: When I was laying in that hospital bed, almost dying, and I said, I'm not going to ever go back to the uh, medical field because I didn't move to New York to be in the medical field. I was just making a lot of money in the surgery business. It was lucrative. And I fell into that money trap again that I was so familiar with as a teenager. It, you know, you realize, wait a minute, I didn't move to New York for this. I could have did medical. I could have been plastic surgery business in Baltimore. Like what, what am I doing? So it took God slowing me down with that blood clot for me to make those changes. So when I was in that hospital bed, I said, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to come out with my own TV show. I'm going to start my own online business. Um, and serving looks is the name is me and my, uh, friend used to always we worked in the business together the surgery business together and he would come in the office with an outfit or i'd come in and he'd be like yes serving serving versace looks today serving looks serving high fashion model ser- serving glam serving this it was all about the <laughs> right. confidence and then we'd fake runway we'd fake twirl we'd fake turn and just right. you know laugh and all that you know, so it was always just about the confidence and serving looks. I'm serving a whole look. It's a whole mood. It's a whole aura. And that's basically what it, what it became, serving looks. Um, I started out with lip glosses and hoodies mm-hmm. and T-shirts because those were the easiest things to get made um, as I was getting my trademark approved. So once my trademark was approved, I started um jewelry clothing lingerie i started with 10 lip gloss colors now i have 68 um it's been about two years yeah so um it's great um i love i love e-commerce e-commerce is definitely the future um there's a whole world of customers out here billions of customers so anybody that's not selling something online i urge you definitely to do that it's only going to keep growing um I also am coming out with a line of adult um, sexual enhancement products as well. Lubricants, personal hygiene things. That's what I'm formulating now. I don't have a name yet. Um, I also have my own show on Amazon Prime that um, I co-executive produced and directed. Last summer, we did six episodes and we filmed the whole series in 16 days straight without a break. Um, it's called Finding Chrissy. It's currently on Amazon Prime and on Tubi right now. It's free on Tubi with commercials, and it's $9.99 on Amazon Prime without commercials. So pick your poison. <laughs> so, uh, but it's great. It's basically a show about my reality after reality TV. Because a lot of people get familiar with who you are from TV, and then a lot of people never see you again. It's like, okay, whatever happened to her, I really liked her. Um, So it shows my life now it shows everything the charity serving looks my dating life, which has changed because of TV people Google, you now. it's just weird Um, But that was great That's been a success and then I got the book deal With lc3 publishing out of atlanta to do my autobiography, which is what i'm working on now, which I don't have a name for yet Um, But i'm sure that'll also be a success so I'm working on the book now, Serving Looks, and then the new line of products. So, (laughs) and I did this all pretty much myself.
0: (laughs) And I mean, I found it, I find the name to be pure genius because I see that terminology all the time on social media, you know, mainly from the women as far as Serving Looks, Serving Looks. And I'm just like, Chrissy had the wherewithal to realize, hey, I can capitalize on this and trademark this into my own brand. And I'm just like this, again, I thought it was, I thought it was genius that you were able to do that create your own brand. And, and now you're selling an array of, like you said, you need to have 68 lip gloss colors. That's unbelievable. And that's, it's, that's incredible that you're able to do that. And I actually did watch um, finding Chrissy. And again, I was, I think the, the most, the coolest part about it was your, your, your upstairs neighbor and <laughs> just a lot of the, you know, you, you shed light on his story. Some of the trials and tribulations he's went, he's gone through and you were trying to find him a date and i just thought that was pretty unique of you being his friend looking out for him and also giving him hey giving him some shine you know on a stream you know on a streaming service you know for your reality show i thought that i thought that was great now yeah. as far as your books concerned uh, are you in the middle of writing it or you're in the beginning stages or you're just wrapping up and you're trying to come up with a name
1: okay well this is what happened they gave me a ghostwriter last year Oh my gosh. We transcribed it over the phone and he chopped it up so bad. This guy turned out to be some like religious anti-profanity guy and all that. And we all know I'm being very mild tonight on our interview out of respect for you and your (laughs) platform. But that's not me. Like, you know, and take my book, which is so private to me and my personal experiences. And then just to try to cut out any cursing and all that was just a, a joke to me. Like even the publisher, the the owner of the publishing company agreed like it wasn't going to fly like it, it's not going to convey who i am it's not me it's like oh golly gee oh darn like
0: <laughs> no warning
1: so no, no. um he agreed that wasn't going to work so we did we did that um autobiography and it was just horrible so then he assigned me another ghostwriter who was cool guy came up from tampa he flew him up um, very nice guy, but I'm a writer. I'm a natural. That's what I wanted to really be when I was young, um, was Was either a, jur- a journalist and writer. I've always had a love for the English language. I've always been excelled at public speaking, reading, um, literature. So I'm just gifted and talented with that. And I know how to write. I didn't need someone to write the book. I just needed someone to structure it which right. I could do myself, but I, I don't have the patience to put everything into chapters. And actually sh- I didn't want to structure the whole book. Like I'm, I just wanted to write it. So this guy meant well, but he, I didn't have the confidence that he could convey my actual experiences and my life story, the way it needs to come out. This is like, again, you got your one chance to blow this in my book. So I'm not going to put my life, literally into someone else's hands because they weren't there. How could someone else write my story? It's my story. So I had to realize that. And I got to, you know, get back to, I'm basically starting it all over, but I'm using the timeline and the outline of what I've already written that they chopped up, but still, you know, adding to that, taking some things out. Cause it's a lot of things to remember, man. Like sure. all those years, mm-hmm. 50 years of life. And experiences and people, so um, yeah, I'm basically starting all over. Even though it was already done, it's getting redone again now. But in my, I'm writing it. No ghostwriter.
0: So. No ghostwriter. Now, will there be a season two of Finding Chrissy?
1: Um, maybe, maybe not, because the <laughs> the production wasn't that great you could see the poles in the background the lighting i mean it wasn't that great but i'm thankful for the opportunity like it was an opportunity presented to me i didn't go in and they came to me for this so it was i was like hey yeah i'll do it like great it was it wasn't anything out of my pocket nothing it was just a project that was presented to me and i said yeah why not who who wouldn't want their own show and someone else is financing it and and providing everything all i got to do is just come up with my real life every day and show how i really live and just about my real life you know how seinfeld was just about nothing pretty much the real life but it was entertaining because they had the characters that lived in the building like the upstairs kennys and right you know things like that so i really i wanted to be relatable like that so even though the production was was a little shoddy it was still I wasn't hiding. I was making a show about making a show. And it wasn't like, I wasn't presenting that people knew I was making a show. I was like, this is my show. I'm going to try to make a show. Like, so if you saw people in the background or lighting poles, then it made sense. So <laughs> yeah, I parlayed that. So part season two, um, it could be done, but we, we definitely have a better production staff. Now, um, Pete Petrelli, who is awesome who brought the opportunity to me he's been working on his other stuff called side chicks of charlotte um now they're doing side chicks of la so he's working on some other projects but honestly i'm really not ready to do a season two right this second i'd rather get my next company up off the ground get the book out um and maybe who knows maybe i'll even have a boyfriend by the time season two if i do do a season two it would be next summer i'm not even Mentally prepared to do it right now Because I have so much going on I got to get this book done So
0: yeah All right Well where can everyone find you on social media I'm t- Not only you're, you know, you're obviously the Chrissy Monroe brand But also the Survive to Thrive Global as well Where can, everything, where can they all find it on social media
1: All right well My main Instagram is at Chrissy Monroe That's with the blue check Because there's weirdos that always try to make fake pages of me um, It's verified Chrissy Monroe Survive to Thrive Global is at Survive to Thrive Global. Um, uh, also, the website for Survive to Thrive Global is survivetothriveglobal.org. Um, serving Looks is at Serving Looks, and then the website for Serving Looks is servinglooks.shop. Um, yeah. So Chrissy Monroe on Instagram. And then when you go on my main page, you'll see the links to, I have a dog page for my chihuahuas. Um, I have my Chrissy's food fantasy page link there. So if you just go on my main page, you'll see the survive to thrive link, all that in my bio. So, you know, all of those are right there at the top. And then in my link tree is the the links to my websites and stuff too. So everything's in one place. I try to make things as
0: efficient as possible. Chrissy, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Uh, we appreciate you and hope we can uh, have you hope we can have you come back on the show uh, down the road to maybe talk about season two of of, of, of of Finding Chrissy.
1: Thank you. Well, absolutely. And I'd love to come back on after we get the book out. That would be a big milestone in my life.
0: Most definitely. For sure. Thank yeah. you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You got it. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the d Loop Podcast. Again, I want to thank Christy for coming out to talk to us about all aspects of her career and her life. And I wish her nothing but the best in all that she does. Now, there's another podcast I want you all to listen to in addition to this one. It's called The Watchers Podcast. W-A-T-C-H-E-R-Z is how it's spelled. The fellas break down all aspects of the latest in pop culture and sports. You can check them out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can check me out this Saturday at the world-famous Monster Factory doing my ring announcer thing for Factory Reboot, our very first event for 2023. Bell time is at 7 p.m. You can get your tickets at monsterfactory.org, and you can see all the stars of the MFPW. The future of professional wrestling is right there at the world-famous Monster Factory. You can follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Real DT where you can also follow me on Facebook. Derek T. Lewis official page. You can get your official DTL merch in addition to the brand new DLU podcast t-shirt and hoodie at Where well, I'm going to get out of here and just remember whatever you do in life, always make it count. Take care guys. See ya.